0: August 18th. Now, today, as we look into the New Testament, we'll be reading from the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 11, verses 17 through 34. Do I despise the church? You know, we're one in Christ and in love must honor one another. That's one of the lessons we'll learn here in this chapter as we read. By the way they ate their uh, love feast, the rich embarrassed the poor and brought shame to the church. Do I discern the body is another question we can ask. When we meet to celebrate the communion service, we must examine ourselves and not one another, and we must be honest with the Lord as we confess our sins. We discern His body in the bread, but we also discern it in the members of the church who eat with us. The Lord's Supper is a family feast. While it must be personal it must not become so individual that it becomes selfish. It should be a means of promoting the unity of the church. And with that we begin today's reading from the New Testament. August 18th. First Corinthians chapter 11 verses 17 through 34. But now when I Paul mention this next issue, I cannot praise you Corinthians. For it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. First of all, I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church, and to some extent I believe it. But of course there must be divisions among you, so that those of you who are right will be recognized. It's not the Lord's Supper you are concerned about when you come together. For I am told that some of you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. What? Is this really true? Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace the church of God and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say about these things? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly do not, for this is what the Lord Himself said, and I pass it on to you just as I received it. On the night when He was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took a loaf of bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and you, sealed by the shedding of my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So if anyone eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily, that person is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking from the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup unworthily, not honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died but if we examine ourselves we will not be examined by god and judged in this way but when we are judged and disciplined by the lord we will not be condemned with the world so dear brothers and sisters when you gather for the lord's supper wait for each other if you are really hungry eat at home so you won't bring judgment upon yourselves when you meet together i'll give you instructions about the other matters
1: after i arrive Disney, Ford, Hilton, Jordan. You maybe realize that those names of companies are also the names of people. Some people really manage to make a name for themselves in our world, don't they? So, what about you? I'm guessing that you don't have any illusions of of reaching a level of notoriety like that. And yet, it's very natural for us to assume that if our lives are going to make a difference, at least a few people are going to remember our name. Today, I want to talk to you about someone from the Bible who had managed to make a name for himself, but in a rather interesting way. His given name was Joseph, but we're told that the apostles had given him a nickname. They had nicknamed him Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Today, we'd probably say Mr. Encourager. Now, when we think of someone who is an encourager, we usually think of someone who picks other people up. But it can also refer to someone who speaks up for other people. Someone who is an advocate. And on one occasion in particular, Barnabas proved himself to be worthy of that name. You see, Barnabas and the Apostle Paul had already taken one missionary tour together along with a man by the name of John Mark. But on that first missionary tour, John Mark, for some reason, had deserted them. And so when it came time for Paul and Barnabas to take another missionary tour, Paul wanted nothing to do with John Mark. But Barnabas spoke up for him. Barnabas defended him. Barnabas served as his advocate. So here's what happened. Paul and Barnabas actually went their separate ways. The rest of the book of Acts is all about the Apostle Paul and the missionary travels that he took. Meanwhile, Barnabas and John Mark went off together and even among the two of them, it was John Mark who became better known. We know John Mark from the book of the Bible that's named after him. We call it the Gospel According to Mark. So Paul and Mark end up in the Biblical Hall of Fame and Barnabas, Mr. Encourager, he just sort of fades into the background. In a world where everyone is busy trying to make a name for themselves, working hard at making a name for someone else seems to be so counterproductive. Working to include someone who usually gets left out. Working to make sure that everyone on the team receives credit when the project is complete or the game is over working to defend someone who is being criticized. It's, it's hard to see how God could use those small acts to have a big impact. But realize that whenever we serve as someone's advocate, we are doing the work that God himself loves to do. When Jesus described the work that the Holy Spirit was going to do, he called him an advocate. It's the Holy Spirit's job to speak to us about God. And when the Bible talks about the work that Jesus is doing right now up in heaven, it calls him our advocate. It's Jesus' job to speak to God about us. First John says this: "If anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous One. Speaking up for others is the business of God. It's what He loves to do. And so if you're looking to make a name for yourself, work hard at making a name for someone else.
2: Did you hear of the city on the hill Said one old man to the other it once shine bright and it would be shining still But they all started turning on each other mm. You see, the poets thought the dancers were shallow And the soldiers thought the poets were weak And the elders saw the young ones as foolish and the rich man never heard the poor man speak And one by one they ran away With their made-up minds to leave it all behind And the light began to fade in the city on the hill The city on the hill Each one thought that they knew better they were different by design instead of standing strong together they let their differences divide and one by one they ran away with their made-up minds to leave it all behind and the light began to fade in the city on the hill searching still but it was the rhythm of the dancers that gave the poets life It was the spirit of the poets that gave the soldiers strength to fight It was the fire of the young ones, it was the wisdom of the old It was the storm That made it to be told. It is the rhythm of the dancers that. That gives a soldier strength to fight It is the fire of the young ones It is the wisdom of the old It is the story of the poor man That's meaning to be told One by one will be run away with our made-up minds to leave it all behind As the light begins to fade in the city on the hill One by one we run away With our made-up minds to leave it all behind As the light begins to fade Calling still, come home to the city on the hill. Come home,
0: Psalm thirty five, verses seventeen through twenty eight. How long, O Lord. Will you look on and do nothing? Rescue me from their fierce attacks. Protect my life from these lions. Then I will thank you in front of the entire congregation. I will praise you before all the people. Don't let my treacherous enemies rejoice over my defeat. Don't let those who hate me without cause gloat over my sorrow. They don't talk of peace. They plot against innocent people who are minding their own business. They shout that they have seen me doing wrong. Aha! they say. Aha! With our own eyes, we saw him do it. O Lord, you know all about this. Do not stay silent. Don't abandon me now, O Lord. Wake up. Rise to my defense. Take up my case, my God and my Lord. Declare me not guilty, O Lord, my God, for you give justice. Don't let my enemies laugh about me and my troubles. Don't let them say, Look, we have what we wanted. Now we will eat him alive. May those who rejoice at my troubles be humiliated and disgraced. May those who triumph over me be covered with shame and dishonor. But give great joy to those who have stood with me in my defense. Let them continually say, Great is the Lord who enjoys helping his servant. Then... I will tell everyone of your justice and goodness, and I will praise you all day long. Proverbs 21, verses 19 and 20 It is better to live alone in the desert than with a crabby complaining wife. The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get.